Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what. Welcome, everyone, to uh, episode number 54 of a series of episodes that we've been calling since we started this uh, called Leading Others to Christ. And those of you that have been watching and listening, you know that during these episodes, we're going to be focused on the subject of evangelism. Uh, we have many goals in doing this, uh, and it's been fun for me. Uh, of course, I know the guy we're interviewing today, but so many of the people that I've interviewed, I haven't met them face-to-face yet. Lord willing, we'll be able to do that. But uh, we have a lot of goals with this. One is to try to stir each other up, uh, as the Hebrew writer says, to love and good works. Uh, but especially in the area of uh, reaching our family and our friends uh, and neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, uh, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Uh, I've done this every time, too. Franklin's about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. Uh, and uh, those of you that know me, you know that I'm passionate about our, our topic today of evangelism, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And what I've done over the years, and it's just been, it's just been uh, for me, the energy has just been picked up here the last, uh, since we started doing this, but I've always been striving to use some Bible phrases to teach others, to sow the seed, to fish, to be a fisher of men and women, to make disciples, to persuade men and women, and to teach others to teach. I preach, but I see myself more as a teacher than I do as a preacher. But I always have brought this up every time, too, and remembering what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women, to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later in the chapter, he says this, and I love this, to, talking to Timothy about being useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So when we came up with this idea, um, we started thinking about, well, who, who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to interview? Uh, and, and who where are they? The, the men and the women, those fellow workers who are out there doing this, reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we've identified them, to interview them and learn more about them, how they're doing their work. Uh, why are they so motivated to uh, be involved in evangelism? And so that's a quick backdrop on, on what we've done with this. So we're so excited today to have someone with us that I'm confident that, that we're going to learn a lot from. So get out your pen and paper, if you will. And today we have with us Jim Deason. Welcome, Jim. It's good to be with you, Dan. Good to be with you. You're this being episode number fifty, whatever. Uh, you know, you're really scraping the bottom of the uh, bottom of the barrel for me. No, you know? no, no. <laughs> no. You know, I've had uh, I had a couple of guys who go, well, why am I so far? Why have I been so far down the list? I went, my list is really long. I'm trying. To... <laughs> uh, but well, it uh, is good to be with you and good to talk about uh, things that we are uh, mutually uh, passionate about. Yes, and that's why I wanted to talk to you because I know that uh, this is uh, top of mind with uh, with you, with every day, with you and Paige. And be sure and tell her I said hi too. Be glad to. Uh, do it. Yeah. Uh, well, Jim, uh, Jim works with the uh, South Coleman Church of Christ in, in Coleman, Alabama, and uh, 
Jim, what I always like to start out with is what we've been calling a short bio. Or you remember the old, they used to use it all the time in, in business, sale, uh, the uh, elevator pitch. You know, if you get on an elevator and it's, it, it would have to be somewhere besides Franklin, Indiana, or Coleman, probably, but 20 go up 20 stories or something and go. So uh, somebody's on the elevator and they say, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And uh, so give everybody a, a little short bio of uh, about Jim, where you were born, uh, how old you were when you obeyed the gospel and kind of brings us up to speed, if you would. Well, I was uh, born in Walker County, Alabama and rural Walker County, Alabama. I tell people that when uh, my daddy mentioned shoes, I hid for three days thinking that he was going to nail them on. So far we were back <laughs> out in the sticks. It was a uh, uh, back out in the country. Uh, during that time, I was influenced by some of the finest people this world, I think has ever known, uh, two of them just to mention to Jackie Richardson is the man who baptized me. This was one of his, uh, very first full-time works. He's a, he's an aged preacher now over in Belgrade, Alabama. And then, uh, a man named Dwight Edwards, those two men who had a great deal of influence on a young kid's life. And I kind of grew up in the church. Some of my earliest memories are of, uh, uh, going with my grandfather, who uh, was a very a strong influence in my life, and uh, starting the fire in a pot-bellied stove in the wintertime. And so, you know, it's, we're going back a long, long way. And so uh, I grew up in that kind of environment uh, with good people surrounding me, even though uh, later our family would fall apart. Uh, those people still remained. And and influenced me for good. And eventually in my early teens, I obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had been, I had been uh, talking with a young lady about uh, two weeks before on the back row of the building and the preacher who then was looked back at us. And in fact, that was Jackie Richardson. And he said, when y'all stop talking, I will continue preaching. <laughs> and after he did that, I thought to myself, what in the world am I doing? And I thought, uh, started thinking far more seriously about my soul. And I started thinking about the gospel. And I thought, you know, uh, I need to be a Christian. I need to be following Jesus. That's the only path to take that makes any sense. And so I obeyed the gospel. And, uh, you know, lo, these many years later, uh, I haven't regretted that decision. Not a day. How old are you, Jim? I'm 68. 68. Okay. Well, I'm 75. So you're just a kid. There you okay. go. I, there you. I, I, I like to hear that. <laughs> it's not so, but I still like to hear it. I know, I know. But, uh, you know, and, it, and of course, we hear all this stuff growing up, but uh, hearing people talk about getting in their 60s or their 70s, you go, what are you talking about? And now here we are, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, here we are. Yeah, I thought uh, people like me were uh, old and ready for the grave. Now I think, no, not yet. You know, we've got, a lot, know, we got yeah. a lot of time service to go. Yeah, we can talk, uh, we can spend a lot of time here, just some perspective, right, of how yes, we look right. at things. That's you know, right. because, you know, you're still looking out those same eyes that you did when you were 30, and uh, right. and, and so am I, and it's just all these things have changed. Throughout. I mean, we've changed too, but... Uh, My mirror is what's changed. Th there you go. Yeah, the mirror. Yeah, we need to find us a better mirror. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I love the, I, I really do, I, I love... Uh, uh, I've always been like that. I like to hear people's stories. I mean, stories are just such a fascinating part in, uh, uh, of our lives. And, you know, growing up as kids, we like to, you know, hear stories. And that's how the teachers taught us. And we just think about the Bible itself. It's just full of stories. Yeah. Right. 
Absolutely. And God, God, of course, he made us, but he knew that that was the way to, to teach us and educate us and tell us. And all these stories that we tell and how we've learned and, and uh, how we share all of this. But, you know, it, it's just, uh, but thanks for sharing that. that that's, that's really good. Uh, how long have you been there at, uh, at uh, South Coleman? We've been here for uh, 15 years now, a little over, and yep. we've just enjoyed the work here so very much. Uh, South Coleman is a little bit of a unique uh, church. In fact, it's in a unique community because uh, we have probably 20 uh, non-institutional churches of Christ in uh, Coleman County, a county of only 84,000. You look around us and there are only uh, less than a half a dozen institutional churches. Uh, Probably there are only four actually that come to my mind immediately. And, uh, and so this is a very uh, churched community, uh, if, you, if, if you know what I mean by that term, sure. in that there are a lot of Christians, and not only are there a lot of Christians, but even the people who are members of uh, other denomin- or of denominations, there are people uh, you know, who uh, believe in God, they believe in uh, Christ, uh, and it's a very spiritually minded community. And we've got a worldly side, but it's a very spiritually minded community as a whole. Well, it's uh, it's been so fascinating with all these different uh, interviews that we've done because we've interviewed people from uh, New York and from uh, L.A. and Tampa and and uh, Atlanta, and North South Carolina, all over, and uh, Texas, and and uh, every community. Obviously, it's, it's silly to say, but every community is different in the makeup, uh, and just like hearing what you're saying there of. Uh, 20 congregations, 84,000 people, um, uh, to know what it's like to work in that environment versus being in a, maybe in a community that has 84,000 people and there's one congregation. And one uh, other, one other thing about the, about the church here is that, you know, I go so many places to preach in gospel meetings and uh, right. many times you go to churches and the population in those churches are aging and you, you see a right. lot uh, of older Christians, very few younger Christians. Well, that's just the flip side of what we have here at South Coleman. Uh, we have just, uh, you know, uh, a number of young couples with young kids. Uh, our Bible classes are just busting at the seams because of, of so many young children. And it's really a blessing to be serving not only as one of the gospel preachers here. We have uh, two full-time men who work here, myself and a young man named Jared McCrary. Uh, he's about 40 years old. And then we have also, we keep an intern here all of the time. And so we have a, uh, an, an intern that's working with us and we just stay busy all the time with these young couples and with other things that are going on here, uh, in the work of the Lord from a lot of different standpoints. We support right now, presently 10 men and other places, and most of them we support very substantially. And so, uh, it's just a, it's just a joy to be a part of a work that is as thriving and as active as, as this church is. Well, and, and that all comes from the top down, doesn't it? Well, I, you know, you want to think so, but it's not really the case with us. It, we have so many young couples that are so active in, in the work. They're sound uh, biblically. They're working hard to raise their kids. Uh, serving as one of the two shepherds over the church, I feel like sometimes that the best thing we can do is just get out of the way of some of these <laughs> young people who are really serving. But I think really and truly, we bring something to the table. We bring a level of wisdom that helps in, in the directing of things and overseeing of things. And it's just a, just a marvelous place to be and a marvelous time to be here. 
Well, I love it that you're that you're uh, the energy that uh, that I can see and hear, and everybody listening to this will hear that as well. Um, and because uh, you know, I'm sad to say that in a lot of places, um, not to be negative, just to be real, but that energy is not there. Maybe it was at one time, but that enthusiasm is is not there. And uh, like you say, a lot of the congregations are uh, are older, and because they haven't been involved in evangelism. Uh, there's not new new blood, if you will, coming in all the time, and uh, and uh, it's it just like they're just showing up every week and and uh, and and going through the the motions, if you will, but no real attempt to reach out in the community. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do is, is to stir it, stir everybody up again. As I said, I I think I mentioned this to you when we were talking the other day, but I've got an article that was uh, published in the Owensboro Messenger and Enquirer in 1960. And I would have been 14 years old. Um, and uh, it was talking about the Church of Christ was the fastest growing church in America. And uh, I know we talked about that the other day. Can you imagine opening up? Of course, I start opening up a newspaper. What's that? But if you saw a newspaper today or saw an article or saw a report, it was talking about it, we would just be, uh, it, it would be, well, what, how surprising, but how wonderful that would be to hear. And uh, so there's, been a lot of things, and, and that's not what we want to spend our time on, but a lot of things have happened, and, and a lot of people know of the, the fighting and fussing and, and loss of focus, uh, uh, loss of first love or whatever it, whatever it is, but, uh, but some places have uh, kind of lost their way, and we're trying to encourage people to start thinking about those things again. And, and we have to keep talking about it, don't we, Jim? We sure do. We, we have to keep talking about this. Uh, keep the main thing the main thing, and we there really... To, to focus our attention on Jesus, we need to focus our attention on uh, making sure that people are following the pattern found in the scriptures so that uh, we can be everything God would have us to be. And a part of that is just what you, uh, your central uh, message here is the work of evangelism. Let's say that my wife and I, Gay and I, we live in Coleman and uh, somebody invites us to services and we accept the invitation. And by the way, people do still accept invitations. So they, they do a lot. In fact, that's yeah. how that's how we get most of our contacts, actually. Good, good. Uh, so we show up and, you know, <clears throat> maybe we've never been in a church of Christ before. We don't really know what to expect. And <clears throat> we're looking around. <clears throat> we look around to see. If, I remember the first time I went, I was 17. I was looking around and see who I knew. And I was surprised at the people that I knew. But uh, so we show up there and obviously we're interested in spiritual things or we wouldn't be there. How would uh, how would you guys follow up with us? What are some things that you uh, that you do? Okay, the the first thing you're going to be impressed with when you walk through the door of uh, South Coleman is the fact that this is one of the most friendliest congregations that you'll ever meet. And so uh, you're going to be, we're going to kill you with kindness. Uh, there are going to be people, you're going to come in and you're going to feel like you are a normal part of, this is a place where I want to be. You're a normal part of the, this family. And so uh, this is going to attract you from the very beginning. And so we want to get your information. Now, people today, very shy about giving their contact information on first visit. Uh, they uh, are there. Uh, because somebody invited them, most likely some people, because we're so close to I-65, uh, will come in kind of uh, just cold turkey, we say, although most of those are travelers. Uh, but, you know, our, our location is just really good for just walk-in uh, people and walk-in contacts. And so you're going to be impressed with the friendliness. 
we're going to give you a connection card and we're going to ask you to uh, fill that out. Most of the time, they don't even return it. But when we, they come back again, uh, come back that second time, now they're expressing a whole lot more interest. We give them that connection card the second time and guess what? They fill it out. On that, they'll give it to somebody, they'll leave it uh, you know, in the vestibule or somewhere where it's convenient. And so uh, then at, at that point, somebody's gonna follow up with them. Uh, somebody's going to call them, somebody's going to email them. Uh, just a simple, we're really glad you're here. Uh, we saw on your card that you said that you would like to have a, a Bible study. Uh, we'd be glad to set that up at your convenience. Uh, not a lot of people will check that box. Uh, but they will have maybe a prayer request or an interest in some other area. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to meet that interest that they show, trying to develop more interest in bringing them to full knowledge of Jesus. All right. So good. You know, I've heard stories and I, we've even experienced it going way back, but going to congregations and nobody speak to you and mm -hmm. go to congregations. Yeah. Go into a congregation and sit down in, in a, in a seat and somebody come over and stand there and look at you and say, you're sitting in our seat and you go, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't see a name on it, but uh, we've all experienced those, uh, those awkward moments at different places. And uh, uh, somebody brought this up in one of the interviews <clears throat> is that we need to be aware of the eyes of the visitor. What, what does a visitor see or their ear? What do they see? What do they hear? <clears throat> and what are their takeaways when, you know, when they leave the congregation? It's such that, an important thing. Yeah. South Coleman is, is a lot like every other church that I've ever been to the back four or five rows are full. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's just, the, that's just the nature of the beast, but here's the thing. A, a couple come in, those back four or five rows are our welcome committee. Uh, you know, they're, they're people that have great personalities. They're back there, they're talking. Uh, and, and so they meet those people, you know, for the first time, it always works out real well. Yeah, well, that's that's so good. So uh, if we want, if we were interested in it, you would approach us maybe at some point about a study. Sure. Is there a study that you use? What what do you what are you using typically? You know, here's the thing. I I call whatever method we use. I, I I've fallen into calling that our widget. You know, uh, and there are a lot of different widgets. There there are a lot of different methods that people use to study. To me, honestly. There is no better way to do it than just opening up the Bible and talking about where people are. Um, several years ago, I was doing some work in uh, a Russian-speaking country, and I was talking with a, a young uh, Moldovian preacher at that time. He's not as young anymore as he was, because it's been a long time ago. But uh, and, and he expressed how that the first thing people need to do was study evidences. Uh, and certainly in his culture, that was true. And he felt stronger about that at that time than I did. Now I think there's a lot more to what he said than what I thought, because we're in a, an increasingly secular society. Yeah. And so I like to start where we all agree. And so if I have someone come in and they're willing to study, I go into their home or we meet somewhere to study. I want to say, hey, let's talk about something in the very beginning that, that we agree on. Obviously, there are going to be some things because we come from different traditions where I feel strongly about uh, some things that we want to talk about, some differences that we have. Let's talk about the things we agree on. Let's talk about the existence of God. And so I show them some things and 99 times out of a hundred, there are things as we'd go through basic evidences that they've never considered before. 
they've said, I believe in God, but they really inherited their faith in God from their parents or their grandparents or from someone else close to them. And, and so they'd never really considered why they believe in God. And so by that lesson, you build confidence in yourself, you build trust uh, in them. And then the next, the next one I'm, I'm going to talk about is, you know, I believe that Jesus is son of God. And so they do too. And so we talk about why we believe Jesus is son of God. And they're thinking, hmm, I've never thought about that before. That's something different, but it's true. It's right. This is about Jesus. And, and I've known that Jesus was son of God all my life. Never had really thought about why everybody just told me I read about it in the Bible, but I hadn't thought about the evidence for it. And so they're excited about that. Then the next time I'm going to talk to them, I'm going to talk about the Bible being the word of God. Now here's where things begin to get really interesting. Because when you talk about the Bible being the word of God, they're going to say, yeah, I believe the Bible is the word of God. But what does that mean? How does that play out in my life? Well, the Bible then becomes more than just a, a set of religious platitudes that we can go to maybe cafeteria style, pick, choose what we want. It becomes something then that is authoritative in our lives. And then's where we go to the old points we've made all of our lives. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. You can't subtract from it. You, you've got to take exactly what God says, and you've got to live it in your life. And so now we set the pattern for anything else we want to talk about, whether it's talking about the uh, obedience to initial gospel uh, to the gospel initially, or we talk about uh, the work or the worship or the organization of, of the church. Um, we talk about Jesus, our pattern, you know, uh, you, once you have established that we're going to go by the word of God, then you can go into all the world and preach the gospel from that point. You can talk with them about anything you want to talk with them about. And, and so what I, uh, have been using most recently, as far as my, my actual method is just simply a, uh, uh, I've got a sheet in the front of my Bible on several different topics. And I have in my Bible written kind of a, a chain reference of scriptures that I go to one after another. But here's the key. When they do it, we are opening the Bible and all they see is the Bible. It's not something that is mechanical that I have brought in. I'm not right. saying that these other things, I used to use Jewel Miller film strips all the time, found them to be extremely successful. And I've used a dozen different methods or more through the years. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter which method you use, as long as you're using the gospel and you present the gospel to people, because it's the word of God that has the power to convert folks. It's not me. Amen. Well, that's, that's good. Well, see, I, I told you, I'd, I'd try to take the things that you say. And so you said several things there that are just, uh, you know, we've talked about that. I don't know if you remember, but when uh, we were there with you, uh, uh, when uh, Art Adams and I stayed with you and Paige, and we talked about some things, and and uh, uh, just uh, you know, and that's what I do too. I have a study that's, that's similar to that, and open the Bible because you're right. That's where the power is. It's not in what Jim says or Dan says. And I say that through the whole study. I ask questions, and I say, "No, why did you answer it that way?" Because that's what Dan Barker said. Or is that because what the Bible said? And after a while, they're saying that's because it's what the Bible said. That's so, right. uh, but uh, but I think it's so important to be able to have, and you were real quick to answer that, of having some direction, um, because we've heard some other things where some people they don't really know, and, and that you can just tell that uh, 
they're kind of winging it. And uh, I, I think it's good to have some kind of a method or a plan in front of you. If nothing oh, sure. else, just that to help with my confidence, if I'm going to sit down and talk to you, you know what, what, what direction we're going to go at least start in here. Yeah. And, I want to, I want the people that I'm studying with to know that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, exactly. I want them to feel that. And so I do that by whatever method that I use and, yeah. and it's not the method. It's, it's, it's what you're teaching people and that you're <clears throat> confident with what you're using. I think that's really important, but to have no method and not know what you're going to do when one of these uh, prospects fall into your lap, then you're just as lost as they are, only in a different way. Yeah, you're not. We have to be prepared. You, you mentioned Jules Miller. I've brought that up several times doing these interviews, and people look at you and go, "Jules, who?" What? what? <laughs> you know. But uh, I can remember how excited I was, and when I heard about that and saw him, I went and bought a projector and remember the reel to reel and sure. said, "Oh yeah." And uh, but yeah, that that brings back some good memories. You mentioned uh, uh, our time will get away from us, but you mentioned uh, Russia there. Tell us uh, what what Russia experienced because most I haven't had anybody bring that up yet. Did you go to Russia? Uh, not uh, for Mold- an Mold- extended Mold- period of time. I, I, I've, there were short trips that I made. The longest I think was six weeks. Um, I went to uh, Kazakhstan. I was in Almaty, yeah. Kazakhstan on four or five different occasions. And then I went to Mariupol, Ukraine on four or five. I, I uh, was instrumental in encouraging uh, a man named Charlie Gant to move to Almaty, Kazakhstan. And uh, Charlie uh, moved there and work. And he did a great work there. He and his wife, Kay, he, they live out in, I think it's Round Rock, Texas. Now I've kind of fallen out of contact with him, uh, but did just a, a great work. Uh, there and then uh, when we met, went to Almaty, uh, to rather to Mariupol, Ukraine, a young man by the name of Matt Duggan, who is Rick Duggan's son. I don't know if you know Rick or not. He's a longtime gospel preacher, and he's in Knoxville, Tennessee now. Uh, his son Matt uh, went and spent two years there, and uh, again did an outstanding job. These were great men in the work that they did, and all I did was just kind of hold up their hands in, in what they were doing. Well, look how much we can talk about that of the things that you learned and, and saw and, and look again, get going into another culture, another language and uh, opening up God's word and, and be able to see the power of that. Uh, it's fascinating. Can I take this in another direction for just a minute? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, when I first started preaching, uh, and that's a story in and of itself, and we don't have time for that whole story. But uh, let me just say this. I, I, I went one year to Florida College, got out of Florida College and moved to a little community in South Georgia. And I remember uh, helping my wife, Paige, who had a, got a long history of gospel preachers in her family. And, and, uh, but yet for all of the influence that I had had uh, from gospel preachers in my life, one thing I didn't know, I, I opened, uh, I, I got in my uh, office, one of the bedrooms. We didn't have any children then. I'd put my uh, bookcase, very small bookcase, very few books, and we didn't have computers back then. I just opened my Bible, had my yellow uh, notepad uh, beside me, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I don't know what a preacher does. I have no idea other than just getting up preaching. I, I have no idea what a preacher does. And so what I learned, I had to learn for the most part from the school of hard knocks. Uh, and believe me that when you're in a position where you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to do it, the knocks are going to be hard and they're going to be many. Okay. Uh, many of the mistakes you make are going to be your own. I, I just told myself then I was never going to let that happen 
to anybody else within my sphere of influence. And so every time I've had the opportunity to influence young people, helping them to learn the ropes of preaching the gospel, I've tried to do it. And so for many years now, we've been, we've had an intern. It began with summer programs. So probably 30 years ago, and now we're working and have been for many years with the two-year uh, preacher training program. I'd like to encourage every church within the sound of your uh, program to think about bringing a young man in to help them within the safety, the comfort, the cocoon of their particular context and train these young men in the teaching and the preaching of the gospel so if they know what they're doing when they get out there uh, and they're on their own. Oh, that's so powerful. And um, again, you know, Jim, it's like a lot of things, but the, how do I say that? The average person, maybe in a congregation, they don't, they don't think about things like this. They don't, Right. They don't think they just assume that Jim Decent always knew how to preach. He's so good. He, he, he was born that way. No, you no, had to learn that for several reasons. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's uh, no, I, I, th I appreciate you encouraging everyone to do that because there's uh, seems like there's fewer and fewer places even like that where a young a young fella can go and get that get that education, that training that he needs. And local churches are starving for gospel preaching because many of them, uh, you know, have no one to do very much preaching at all. Uh, and there are churches that are looking for preachers. Uh, and many of them are not self-supporting, but there are works where a lot of good work could be done if we just had people to uh, get into the communities and uh, fill those pulpits and, and do that work. We need to be encouraging our young men to preach the gospel. Maybe we can stir somebody up because of this interview to uh, maybe the elders or leaders in the congregation will sit down and say, you know what, we need to start talking about doing something like this. That'd be wonderful. It would. It would. Uh, Matt's held up five fingers. That means we've got five minutes to go. Can you believe it? I told yeah. you we'd go far. I know. Um, I get two things I want to try to accomplish in the next five minutes. Let's do this one first. Uh, and I know you've got a bunch, but I call it a conversion story. Uh, what's the story that comes to mind of somebody that you study with and maybe different circumstances, maybe somebody in, uh, in your overseas things, or is it a certain story that comes to mind? You know, there's a, there's, there's stories of conversion. There's stories of non-conversion. I guess if I'm thinking about the story of conversion that just really comes to my mind right now, it was a young lady by the name of Brenda. Uh, so many years ago, she was actually, uh, a, a, um, a, a relative of someone who was on the periphery of the congregation where I okay. was working at the time. I don't think they were actually members of the church, but uh, just one of their uh, relatives. And I remember going into uh, her home uh, with her children and sitting down at her kitchen table. And we were just reading through uh, the book of Acts. And we had come to uh, Acts chapter 8, and we were reading about the conversion of the Ethiopian nobleman. And here is a situation where a man uh, was reading from the prophet Isaiah and didn't understand what he was reading. Philip uh, joined himself to the chariot, asked him the question, do you understand? He said, how can I unless somebody guides me? And so Philip began to preach to him Jesus. And uh, we had already had several sessions before, and uh, we got down to uh, the point where Philip stopped the chariot, 
uh, or rather the eunuch stopped the chariot and he, he's saying, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And uh, she looked at me and says, you know, what prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> and, and she was the one who asked the question. I didn't have to say what keeps you from being baptized. She that's said, right. what keeps me from being baptized? And, and that's one of those things I, I think that illustrates one of those stories that illustrates that the word of God can bring people to faith and can convict people of their sins and, and can teach people what to do. And all you have to do is just kind of be like Philip, just kind of guide them along the way. And if you just kind of guide them along the way, let God do his work in the hearts of people through the gospel, then great things can be accomplished. Oh, Jim, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and just the things that as a, as a young preacher going through that and learning that, right? And it, it's, yes. re, it's one thing to, to read the story of Philip and the eunuch, which is a fascinating story. But then to just take somebody, walk somebody through that and see them have their aha moment. It's like, it's like, oh my, what have I got here? What have you I know, got? That's here? the most exciting feeling that as a preacher, teacher of the gospel, I, I have ever had when somebody comes to that aha moment, as you call it. That's a really good way to describe that. When they realize that they found that pearl of great price, uh, that it's there. Uh, and, and then they respond to it. That's an amazing thing. It, well, and I think that once you experience that, it's like, it's contagious. I just, I want some more, I want to, I want to feel that again. You know, Years um, ago, Harold Comer would call that the new growth principle, uh, because what he would say is, you know, on a, uh, on any plant, uh, that every, every time you take a, a a muscadine plant, a grape plant or whatever, uh, you prune it back and it, your greatest fruit comes off the newest growth. And it's still that way uh, in, in teaching people the gospel. I, I get more contacts from the new growth than I do people been Christians for 20 years. Oh yeah. I, I, same thing here. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, look how long we can talk about that. The, just oh, yeah. the head of the whole, the new growth principle, you know, all right. One other thing, and then we're going to have to stop, but uh, I, I call it the one thing. Uh, so somebody's listening to this and, and because of some of the things that you've said, you've got them excited, you've stirred up some old feelings of, you know, I used to do this and for whatever reason I quit. What would you say would be one thing that somebody needs to do? And I know there's more than one thing, but what's one thing that they need to do or learn how to do to lead others to Christ? Forget about what you think you don't know. Mm. because what you need to do, if you are listening to this and you are a member of the body of Christ, if you sit down to talk with somebody about the Bible, you're going to know far more about the scriptures than 99% of the people you're going to talk about, talk to. Think about the things now that you do know. Don't let what you don't know stand in your way of teaching somebody the gospel, because what you think you don't know, you really know. I know this sounds a little bit convoluted, but here's the thing. If you'll just take the Bible and you'll sit down in front of somebody and you'll just start reading, you'll be amazed at the great things that can be accomplished. I, I know that this is a little bit trite, but you remember the Nike statement that just do it. Just do it. I, I think that's the thing. Just do it. Uh, just do it. It's something God gives us to do. Just do it. Don't, don't be afraid. You're going to be rejected. Accept that. Buy into it. But one of these days, you're going to be able to lead somebody to their aha moment, and that'll change your life forever. 
So good. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Uh, hey, somebody wants to reach out to you. Would you be willing to share contact information if they wanted to call Absolutely. you or text you? Anytime, what, anytime. What, what would be the best way to, to reach you, Jim? Uh, my phone number is 256-590-2627. That's 256-590-2627. My email address is J. H is in Henry, J H D E A S O N at gmail.com. Wonderful. Hey, thank you again. This is, uh, uh, I, I love doing this. I really do. And it's good to see you. And, uh, again, tell, give Paige a hug for me and, and, uh, you guys keep up your good work. Um, uh, and I know, uh, I know, uh, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Uh, but, uh, Keep that energy going, enthusiasm going, and, and I hope a bunch of people listen to this interview because they will learn some things. So, again, brother, thanks for taking the time to do this today. You are welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Break. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.